fifth episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, where we talk about baseball, drinks, and everything else under the sun. I'm DeCarlo Calloway alongside Dorian, and on today's podcast, we toast the king over the water, quote the English poet Alexander Pope's famous line, to err is human, to commit multiple errors mean you play for the Chicago White Sox. Remind people that bananas are meant for eating, not demeaning. Ask ourselves, am I part of the cure or am I part of the disease? Singing in Yankee Stadium and have a game stock stock tip from a long dead British politician. So, of course, we like to begin every episode by showcasing what we're drinking. And today I am drinking on a nice Buffalo Trace Kentucky whiskey on the rocks with a big, like, like spherical ice cube. And the funny thing is, is I'm drinking it out of a Jack Daniels glass that I happened to get for free because the owner of the liquor store just needed to get rid of them. So <laughs> now I want to bring in my man, Dorian, who's always the, the host with the most alongside me whenever we're recording these podcasts. And I'll let him tell everybody what he's drinking today. Well, it's good to see you, DeCarlo. I'm glad you're in a good mood. You're, you're singing. Obviously, we can tell that you were pre-partying before we started recording this podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will say that Buffalo Trace Kentucky whiskey is really good. I had some for Thanksgiving, what, like six months ago, whatever. It's, it's very good. So I highly recommend any of you who enjoy quality drinks or even a good whiskey, definitely check out DeCarlo's drink, the, uh, the Buffalo Trace Kentucky whiskey. But today on, uh, on our 29th episode, I'm drinking, stop if you heard this, a beer from a local American brewery. This one is a French Saison from a 32-ounce growler. It's, uh, I bought it at Dirtbags Brewery. <laughs> I love the name, Dirtbags Brewery in Hope Mills, North Carolina. So Hope Mill, it's a small town. There's really not much there. Hope Mills, it's in Cumberland County, North Carolina. And the county was formed all the way back before the U.S. was even formed, back in 1745. And it was named after the uh, after Prince William Augustus, Duke of Cumberland. Uh, Prince William Augustus was third and youngest son of the English King George II. Not the one that went crazy. And during the American Revolution, that's George III, but uh, George III's father. So he was, Prince William Augustus is famous because he won the battle of Culloden, uh, I, I, I can't really pronounce it because I'm not Scottish, in 1745, back in, uh, over the Jacobite forces. Now, who were the Jacobites? The Jacobites were led by Charles Edward Stuart, who was the Bonnie Prince Charles. He was the grandson of the Catholic English King, James II, who was overthrown during the Glorious Revolution. Uh, we, we and we remember people we talked about the glorious revolution during our gin craze episode i think that was uh, episode 10 if you guys want to check that one out we had a lot of fun with, uh, when de carlo and i both had gin that day and the, the word jacobite comes from the latin jacobus 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 which is latin for james and even the latin languages today you can hear the derivative of that because it's uh, james is jacques in french and jaime in spanish so why are we talking about toasting a king over what water? I'm going to tell you why. The Jacobites had a very special toast. And when they were in exile, because obviously their king wasn't, wasn't the king in England. And so to celebrate the king, uh, Bonnie Prince Charles, they would raise their glass and pass it over a cup of water or a finger bowl. 
because the water represented the English Channel, which separated England from France because the, the, the Jacobite king was in exile in France. So, De Carlo, my friend, I, I have here a, a, gl a glass of water. I'm raising up my French saison from Dirtbag's brewery, and I'm passing it over the water. So, to the king, over the water. That's what's up. And, you know, it's funny you bring up the Jacobites. I studied um, under one of the preeminent scholars on the Jacobites, uh, Professor Daniel Secchi. So, shout out to him. It's funny. I, um came across this uh magazine which had like a bunch of articles talking about what if history mm -hmm. and so one of the um one of the short like stories was what if the jacobites actually did overtake england and uh he wrote it so i was just like oh and, yeah. I, I, and I picked it up at a whole foods and i was like oh that's pretty cool but yeah so yeah so the Jacobites. so if you guys want to feel like you're part of a secret society the uh the illuminati the lizard people the rothschild the Kardashians? No, not the Kardashians. Or a Jacobite. Toast to the king over the water. And whether you're drinking water, whether you're toasting long-dead exiled kings, we know you like to drink. Send us a picture of what you like to drink when you're listening to the podcast or plotting the overthrow of an English monarch. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040 and use the hashtag HBPDrink. We always, baseball is the name, is the, the middle name of this podcast or part of the name of this podcast. And I want to give you guys, it's, uh, it's about two weeks into the season. It's very exciting because I want to give you two quick highlights of two of HBP's favorite teams, the Chicago White Sox, the Atlanta Braves, and this great, my, uh, my crazy prediction of uh, Shohei Otani, who's the pitcher slash hitter over, over for the Los Angeles Angels. Talking about the Chicago White Sox, about Alexander Pope <laughs> to err is human and to commit multiple errors means you're part of the Chicago White Sox. But I'm going to tell you the good parts of the, the White Sox, the exciting, young, tremendously talented White Sox. One of DiCarlo's favorite player, Jose Abreu, the first baseman, the MVP of last year, he's already hit two grand slams. And I saw both of them when they played in the opening series against the Los Angeles Angels. And then again with the Seattle Mariners, the guys... A beast. Um, mm. Probably, you know, giving him a beast. full season is going to be interesting to see if he's already starting off like this. Yeah, and uh, I love their young their uh, young pitcher named uh, Michael Kopech. He actually opted out last year because of COVID, mm. and they've slow. He's young, so he's never even pitched an entire season. So this season, they're they're going to just bring him in as relief roles, and the kid looks dominant. He's, I think he's pitched three games already. He's uh, pitched a total of six and a third innings. He struck out 11. He's almost striking out two, two, two players an inning, which is crazy. And he just looks – he looks amazing. And Yeah, bringing him to the bullpen is probably going to be a big move if you want to ease him in like that. Takes yeah, a lot of pressure off him. Smart. Just give him the opportunity to really just, you know, show him what he can get, especially in short innings. That's – I mean – Thinking back, just like I always pivot and think of Mariano Rivera when they first started him out because right. remember initially they wanted to have him as a starting pitcher, but then they brought him through the bullpen and then realized like, wait, actually this guy has a better, you know, he's a better closer yep. and we should use him in this way. So it's interesting because you never know, you know, how how he could potentially turn out to be, but that that's good to show. Yeah, but the, pitching like that. Yeah, the legendary closer for the New York Yankees, Mariano Rivera. The slight difference here is that Mariano Rivera was given multiple 
opportunities to be a starting pitcher, and then he just wasn't up to it. But then he was the greatest. He's, he became the greatest reliever of all time because when you're a reliever, you really only need like two pitches, uh, and you're golden. You know, you're only pitching an inning or two at most. But another thing, I, I want to give a, actually a shout out to the Chicago White Sox announcers. Usually, when I watch baseball, I put it on mute and I listen to something else because I don't care what the announcers are saying. But I actually was paying attention to the Chicago White Sox announcers for. Uh, what is it? Uh, NBC, NBC Sports Chicago, which is the local affiliate. I've been I've been pretty impressed by by their one of their announcers, Steve Stone. He has tremendous knowledge of the game. I think he used to be a player, and he's also calls pitches before they're even thrown. It kind of reminded me of uh, the NFL uh, in uh, Tony Romo. You know how he has this thing of like he knows what play is going to be called in football because he used to be a quarterback. And I was like, uh-huh. Not, I was already planning on watch, uh, watching a bunch of Chicago White Sox games. This is going to be even better because I actually kind of like this guy, Steve Stone. Mm. I want to get to the terrible, terrible defense that the Chicago White Sox are playing. Joan Moncada, Nick Madrigal, the second baseman, Adam Eaton, the right fielder. They are committing all kinds of errors everywhere. And even when they play defense and they get outs, they just don't look impressive. Nothing looks smooth. Nothing looks routine. Mm. And I started to dig in a little bit more into this. And sure enough, unsurprisingly, the Chicago White Sox have the second worst defense in Major League Baseball. Only the San Diego Padres are worse. Mm. The, the White might be, though. I don't know. We got we to ask your, your, your BFF, your best friend forever, um, Tony LaRusso, to Man, see what in the world. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was about to say, I was, I was actually going to ask you, like, you know, what, has, has this, uh, you know, this impressive start, is, you know, from, you know, Michael Kopech and Jose Abreu and really bringing you around to Tony La Russa? But no, I, I think no, no, the, now, the, probably not. No, the thing is, I, I come on, we, we, we both like Chicago White Sox last year before Tony La Russa came back from I the dead like a vampire. I, I oh, mean, yeah, but I you think it's too much to say this year. that I like them, okay? It's a matter of All right, so I'll, they're we'll promising, they have talent. HBP likes them. <laughs> the royal we. So, uh... Uh, and then, and then again, being impressed with announcers, I listen to a lot of podcasts and of course, HBP being number one, I listen to, uh, this brilliant baseball podcast called baseball America. And one of the hosts, Kyle Glaze was mentioning his impressions of the American league overall. And, uh, he, he was basically saying how wobbly the white Sox defense has been. And I was like, wow, if. I thought I was, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm, I'm some special baseball guru, but I was like, I already had these thoughts. And if someone like Kyle Glaze from uh, Baseball America saying it, I'm like, uh, this, the, the White Sox are, might just have big problems on defense this year. So hopefully they short them up and they go, you know, they, they go on a tear because they're off. They, they don't need any help on off. Their offense is amazing. It's that defense that's really bad, but. The second deal I wanted to highlight for this week on HVP is the Atlanta Braves. Last week, we didn't talk too much about baseball, but I did mention that the Braves got off to a terrible start. They lost their four consecutive games. And but, we're starting to demonstrate that they possibly were going to prove those predictors in Las Vegas, right? So, oh, about only winning like 80-something games. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But then the Atlanta Braves, drum roll, finally won. Robin Hood. What the hell was that? <laughs> that was the yeehaw from the Dukes of Hats. 
You are a fool. <laughs> so, and of course, the 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 fictional Hazard County is in Georgia. So the Atlanta is in Georgia. So uh, people in Hazard County were very happy that the Atlanta Braves lo- they didn't, were unhappy. The Braves lost their first four games. They turned around and won the next four games in a row. Turned back around and lost the last three games in a row. <laughs> mm. So hopefully things start to stabilize right now because uh, they're what's what. What's killing the Braves is the the pitchers are giving up. It's nothing about giving up. It's just they're just getting a lot of bad luck because it's a lot of soft hits that the opponents are getting on them. You don't see some big bombs. You don't see hits at 100 miles an hour, 95. It's just very soft hits. They're just finding gaps in the infield and the outfield. So you would think over 162 games, things are going to stabilize, and those type of hits, those type of soft, weak hits won't be uh, killing the Braves as much. And Funnily enough, last week on episode 28, we talked about, we, we talked in length about the Georgia voting law and how in reaction to that Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game. So in Major League Baseball, obviously the All-Star game is rotated throughout the league. And every year the teams are allowed to, not allowed, they're, 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 they put a patch on their uh, right shoulder that says, you know, whenever the All-Star game was held in Cleveland, the All-Star game was held in Washington, D.C., etc. <laughs> When you watch Atlanta Braves games now, that right patch, they tore it off, but it left the impression. I'm like, what a bunch of cheapos. Just get these guys new jerseys. No, they're not going to do that. <laughs> no, it, you wouldn't do that. Come it, on, looks, it looks so bad. And no, it but it's me, also trying to – it's supposed to be symbolism. You know that, right? That's bull. That's bull. No, Come it's on, true. Symbolism. Come on, man. You know that that's also probably one of the reasons why they did that. Not to just – like, of course, it's easy to kind of just – you know, brush it under the rug, but you also have to keep in mind there's a lot of other entities that are going to be losing out on the fact that the Atlanta Braves are not like, well, not the Atlanta Braves, but the city of Atlanta is not hosting the all-star game. So, I mean, I could totally see that being an underhanded kind of like message to kind of like show, you know, to remind people why the, they, they have these like terrible, you know, pulled off impressions on the Jersey. So I, I, mean, I it, totally wouldn't think that that's, it reminds it reminds me of of driving by some sad strip mall, like where, well, like they, you know, when, when you, you when mean like business, most malls in America, right? But you know, when mo- most when businesses go out of when they go out of business, they tear down the letters, and you but you still see the impression, mm-hmm. like Blockbuster or I don't oh, know. God, you uh, just dated yourself again. <laughs> Nobody even knows who Blockbuster. Is <laughs> Blockbuster was net was the Netflix of the nineties. No, but you but, want to uh, know what's so crazy though? Mm-hmm. Just on a like a side note, I was thinking about that and um, having a discussion about how like Blockbuster was this whole thing and then Netflix, and then there's a documentary, the only Blockbuster on in Netflix. Alaska. No, oh no, it's in or- like it's in Oregon or something like that. No, 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 it's in Alaska. Well, it's one of the last ones. I think I, I thought they were in Alaska, but this thing, it's just like the only Netflix, like blockbuster that exists. But I think it's kind of funny because the champion Netflix, who pretty much put it out of its misery, then has this documentary on, on its platform. So that's such an underhanded like to them. It, it's interesting. It's like Concord showing its trophy. I, I just got a piece, I just got a I got a note here from our uh, analyst intern here, our crack HBP research team. You're correct, Carlo. The last store is actually in Bend, Oregon. Mm. So Crazy. it look so basically that patch of the of what would have been the All Star Game in Atlanta 2021 just looks it just looks 
knockoff quality. It doesn't seem very, um, it's just, it looks cheap. So I don't like it, but who am I to say? I, I, I would care less about it. I just want the Braves to win. I, but uh, they should be looking nice in the uniforms because I remember the one of the greatest receivers of all NFL football wide receivers, Jerry Rice. He always was dressed tremendously in, in his uniform. And he always said, if you feel good, you look good, you play good. And he was probably the greatest wide receiver of all time. And I, I always believe that. So he takes care of himself as opposed to seeing some ugly impression of a patch. The last thing I wanted to talk about this week is, again, Shohei Otani, the stud Japanese player from the Los Angeles Angels. He's He was out last year because he had uh, most of last year because of a Tommy John surgery. He's He's a big boy. He's six foot four. 210 pounds. He has muscles. A lot of times when we think of Japanese players, we'll think of uh, Ichiro Suzuki, Hideki, uh, Hideki Nomo, or maybe even that Yankees player who was uh, the Japanese slugger for the New York Yankees. He came over like in the early 2000s. Or Hideki, 2000s Matsui. Hideki Matsui. He was, he was big, but yeah, he was big, but Otani is like built big. He's not like a big, he's, he, and I've been, I cannot wait to see this guy live in his first 10 games. We talked about the Chicago White Sox first baseman, Jose Abadeo, play, uh, hitting two home runs and both of them being grand slams. Shohei Otani has hit four home runs in the first 10 games. And DeCarlo, when the ball leaves his bat, it is vicious. His exit velocity, which is which how baseball measures how fast the ball leaves your bat, is 10th in the league. Obviously, number one is uh, Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees guy. But Shohei Otani, that ball just sizzles off his off his bat. It's so exciting to see him. I watched him pitch and hit against the Chicago White Sox uh, at the first weekend of the, of the of the season. It's this guy's so exciting. I cannot wait to see uh, Shohei Otani. But speaking of uh, Japanese players being different, being built different, uh, but Shohei Otani is still welcome in this country, but there are some people who are from this country and aren't that welcomed in uh, as an athlete. Yeah, so unfortunately, there was this uh, story that broke, Associated Press spoke about. Uh, a black high school football player told to sit near banana peels um, by his high school, like his teammates. So this black football player, so they haven't identified the the young man's identity because of his age and being a minor um, at Illinois high school who was seen on video sitting in a locker littered with banana peels after teammates threatened to break his knees if he didn't comply. And, you know, for him, he's responding very just calmly saying, you know what? I don't really want to do anything. I'm fine. I don't want to talk about the incident. He's quoted as saying, I love the football team I'm on and they're good guys. I know that personally, I talked to the people involved individually and they apologized. We had a heartfelt talk about it and I told them how I felt. So please don't harass, bully or threaten them at all. The student said, um, you know, I, I find it really difficult and I find it very sad that the person who is the victim has to be the apologist for the individual's actions. He shouldn't be. This boy shouldn't have to come out and state that he's fine or that the people involved, they're good guys. Like, no, you know, they might genuinely be overall decent people or at least maybe demonstrate certain levels of uh, moral decorum. But when you tell a black teammate to sit by bananas, there's historical implications for that. 
you know, we see that still happening in other sports leagues across the world, especially in soccer, where a lot of um, individuals of African descent, whether they be from South America, the continent of Africa or North America um, or Europe, you know, throw people throwing bananas at them, calling them monkeys and apes. And, you know, it's not cool. And the, this 11 second video has been shared widely on social media and within it, you can see another football player whose hand is can't, can be seen, but whose face doesn't appear threatening the black player to sit in the locker saying, I'll break both your knees when the player sits down. Others can be heard shouting. Yeah. Like, that can be detrimental. This boy has just experienced the trauma and he has to come out and apologize for them. I think that's unacceptable. I think the fact that we're seeing these increasingly racial incidents taking place within sports, within just normal everyday society, it's, it's tiring. You know, it's just, we live in a world where there are people, we exist. You know, you don't need to like everybody, but just acknowledge that people exist. You know what I mean? Like, don't make them feel less than what they are. And and especially younger individuals, because they're just trying to figure out their way through this world and trying to survive. And all these other stuff are just making it more problematic for them to do so. So that's all I got to say on that. What are your thoughts on that, Dorian? You know, I don't... This whole thing about bananas and uh, black athletes, uh, this has been going on for a long time in the athletic world. But specifically about this young man, um, I don't think we can be too hard on him about him saying he's fine. It's, you know, he apologized. This is a young boy. He's, he's probably 16, 18 years old. He's not an adult yet. We can't expect him to work through the fury of doing that, the disappointment, the embarrassment. He's a young, he's a young man. I, you can, I can, I can picture him now, like just 17 year old kid player at his school. He probably has pimples. He's probably trying to text girls and try to impress his friends and stuff on all these social media. And then he gets thrown this awful thing gets thrown onto him. He obviously he didn't go looking for it. He, he, he got thrown in this terrible, terrible situation with other adolescent boys who this is when age, this is when you don't excuse this from age because at any age, you don't do this. Um, you, you question where these young, uh, or some of, some of his teammates or who was it? The, the coach was it? Uh, I don't know, whatever, whoever forced him to do well, yeah, the teammate threatened him mm-hmm. with yeah, physical teammates. violence. Oh, if there was the coach, this guy would have been fired. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 te- the teammates of this place in Moline, Moline, why well, can't even pronounce it, Illinois. I, I mean, it sounds like a small, small town, which aren't known for the most uh, open and welcoming. However, I it's terrible what, the, what this young boy has gone through and is, will continue to go through. Um, but again, we can't, we cannot blame him for being a young boy and being unable uh, to deal with this. And it's um, hopefully this is a bump and not something that hap- that affects him tremendously psychologically. So I'm glad that his name has not been na- made public, and I hope his name never becomes a public because. He doesn't need that kind of uh, attention. No, no 16, 17, 18 year old boy needs that attention. They're 
more worried about the opposite sex, about prom dates, um, COVID, all, all the all the things that we remember going through when we were juniors and seniors in high school, which is a lot. We look back, it's all trivial, but in the moment, it's a lot. So I hope that these uh, the that some of his teammates are appropriately punished for uh, what they did because this is this is not hazing. That this is this is well beyond hazing. Um, and uh, this whole banana stuff, I remember uh, this liver. Uh, talking about soccer, and I think DiCarlo mentioned this, is about this happening before, back in um, 1988. 1988, which is well over 30 years ago, uh, this very great Liverpool midfielder, John Barnes, he, uh, uh, Everton, Everton support, he played for Liverpool, and Everton is the football club across Liverpool. It's anyway across Liverpool. Everton and Liverpool are literally separated by this giant park. They're, they're two stadiums. And Everton supporters threw banana peels, uh, bananas, yeah, a banana peel at, at him back in, in a game in 1988. That was back in 1988. That stuff still goes on. That one of the John Barnes is black, a current one of arguably the best footballer in the English Premier League, which is the best league in the world. Raheem Sterling, who plays for Manchester City, he experienced racism uh, back in 2018. From the Chelsea supporters, which Chelsea's a club from London, there was no bananas incidents there, but I'm sure plenty of words were shouted at him. So I, I certainly don't have any answer of how, how to stop this, but um, it continues not just for athletes, but for people's in it, people in everyday life, and it's it's terrible. On to the next. What can we do? Hopefully, as time. Can so on that progress. on that high note, DeCarlo, yeah. On that high note, we need a little bit of magic to uh, lift our spirits, and that's what we call our famous black lady. Actually, she's the only black lady on the show on our show, Miss Cleo. <laughs> For Miss Cleo, aka Weekly Predictions. Drum roll, because this is special and this is personal this week. Why? Because my Atlanta Braves are traveling up to play the New York Yankees on April 20th and April 21st. It's a very short two-game series. It's going to be played by the time this podcast comes out. It's exciting. The uh, the, uh, the Atlanta Braves are in the Big Apple. The Yankees are hosting them. Um so Miss Cleo is going to ask us what we're going to ask Miss Cleo. What is the, what are we, what are the results going to be? In my opinion, it's I would I would feel more confident in my prediction if I knew the pitching matchups. But we don't know yet because it's still early in the season, and we, the Braves got some bad news that currently their really good left-handed pitcher Max Fried and their and their tremendous center fielder rookie. Christian Pache are both on the 10 day injured list and are going to miss the game. And the, the Atlanta Braves relief, relief pitcher, Chris Martin is also on the 10 day injured list. Chris Martin, the lead singer from the British band Coldplay, not that guy. He doesn't play baseball. He doesn't. <laughs> Chris Martin, Mr. Uh, you know, what, what was that? What was that song they were quoting at the top of the show? Uh, Clocks. <laughs> That's the song. That's the song that DeCarlo was singing. So, um, so Chris Martin, not the British singer, Max Fried and Christian Pache are going to are going to miss both the games for the the Atlanta Braves. So 
I'm going to say I'm shaking my crystal. No, no, I'm looking into the crystal ball. And Miss Cleo says each team's going to win one game. So it's going to finish 1-1. But if the Braves had Max Freed and Mike Soroka pitching, I would say the Braves sweep. But they're not. So I'm going to say to Carlo, we're going to split 1-1. Okay. Well, I think Miss Cleo wants to say. Coming out for your free Carol reading. <laughs> <laughs> our favorite Jamaican, our favorite, our Man, favorite. Man, I'm a from Cleveland. Anyway. <laughs> from, no, but Jamaica, the, the, the Jamaican neighborhood in Cleveland. Anyway, I think it'll uh, probably be a split series between the Braves and the Yankees because the Yankees mm-hmm. have been somewhat inconsistent so far. I mean, it really does depend on pitch and matchups. So far, you see um, Garrett Cole has been pitching pretty solidly so far. But other than that, the Yankees have been stuttering and stopping, and their offense has kind of been like – so it could go either way, or you know, yeah, that's where I'm going with it. I think it's going to end up with like a split. Yeah, a two game series. That's enough for just both of them, to, like two parties, to take away one game, especially right. how inconsistent both teams have been so far. Yeah. But what? But we, our show sponsor, is always on time and consistent. Yes, they are, and. Our show sponsor today is Auburn Dare Tires. So you got to remember, and I said that with an interesting accent. So Auburn Dare Tires has the greatest selection of Goodyear, Michelin, Toyo, and Ferrelli tires that you would need on any of your vehicles, whether it's your ATV, whether it is your motorcycle, SUV, standard sedan, or even these new electric things. So... Whenever you come around, need your tire alignment, need your just axle shifted or anything else, make sure you stop by at Auburn Tires. Auburn Tires, we love to see you smile when you drive away from Auburn Tires. Auburn Dale Tires. Damn it, I just messed up the whole thing, but anyway, who cares? <laughs> it's okay. They're still, the, the check is still in the mail. We already cashed yep, the check. we got it. It's, it's all good. good. It's, it's okay. We still love them. We take, we do all our. Uh, every bus that I take, I make sure that they have Auburndale tires on it. The bus, if not, I just wait for the next one. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, so we're talking about tires. We're talking about baseball. We're talking about uh, terrible incidents in, in Illinois. But I'm, we're going to take you away from all that. Or, and we're also we're, we're going to take you back to uh, Chris Martin, the not, not the relief pitcher. The British singer. We're going back to his homeland. We're getting in our into our DeLorean time machine as we blast into the Dewey Decimal System, aka Lost in History. History, 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 history. This episode, we're doing Sir John Barnard's Act of 1734. Because on HBP, we're going to ask you, do you like making money? Of course I do. Are you an idiot? We all like making money. So we're going to give you a hot GameStop tip. Because when you pull out your phone and you open up your Robin Hood trading app, <laughs> here at HBP, we give you the latest breaking news. Who You know what? Who cares if this happened back in January? Don't worry about that. It's April now. But the latest breaking news you can catch. What happened HBP. in January again? Are we talking about <laughs> stocks? Oh, yeah. I mean, the news cycle moves so quickly. I don't even think many people remember that. They're like, Robin, what? Yeah, so actually, so the, the Dewey Decimal System shouldn't even be 1734. We should we should recalibrate the DeLorean to go back to January 2021. <laughs> but 
I want to talk about the for those of you who don't know because you've been living under a rock, I guess the whole hoopla of GameStop, uh, which is uh, one of those stores from the strip mall, sad that are basically going out of business. Just no, like but you the, know what, GameStop's are still pretty solid. There's a few, like well, no, there's like one by me that I still actually go and pick up video games from. Mm. But I kind of like it is true. Like it was like. Funko Land at one point, and then GameStop, and you remember like in little strip malls, yeah, you would see like GameStop, and yeah, they're gone now, man. But yeah, you know. so GameStop, uh, a lot of tr- a lot of younger people went on the website Reddit and decided to all go in and buy up a lot of stock from GameStop, and it just skyrocketed. It skyrocketed using their Robinhood trading because Robinhood is a brokerage account. Much like your checking account, which you receive a salary from your place of employment, you need a brokerage account to invest in the public markets, whether it's bonds, which is uh, debt, or stocks, which is which are equities. So I want to talk about, again, the Sir John Barnard's Act of 1734. Sir John Barnard was a member of parliament, and this whole act was to prevent the, quote, infamous practice of stock jobbing. Basically, stock jobbing was when wholesale dealers, which these people would sell stock wholesale, so you couldn't just buy one or 10, you'd have to buy loads of these, just like today when you go to your wholesalers. They would sell on the stock exchange in London, but they would only do it amongst themselves. They wouldn't actually sell it to the public, so it was just like an inside job. So Sir John Barnard said that the stock jobbers were essentially con artists whose efforts were a diversion from more useful pursuits. Basically, he didn't want anyone doing this stock jobbing. So for just over 100 years, from 1734 to 1860, when it was actually repealed, the Barnard Act was the sole piece of of legislation designed to regulate British securities, which was stocks. That was the only thing. Otherwise, you can do whatever you want. It was almost like a casino. And it was intended to, quote, eliminate the infamous practice of stock jobbing because it outlawed forward dealings in shares of public securities if the seller did not have physical possession of the shares for the entire time required for the completion of the transaction. Bro, you lost me. What the hell are you talking about? I'm going to explain to you, my friend. Don't worry about it. Basically, what it did was it banned options, which is the GameStop issue because we, we know a lot of hedge funds bought uh, shorted GameStop. Basically, they bet that the GameStop stock would go down. But when these Reddit kids bought all these stocks, it went up. And and these hedge funds lost a lot of money. Brilliant. Brilliant with a B. Billions of dollars. So this act also declared all contracts for the sale of stock, which was, uh, which the seller was not actually, you couldn't sell something that you didn't possess. And that's basically what today in 21st century and in the 20th century we call uh, uncovered op- options or naked options. So today, to this day, here in America, you can still sell an options contract without actually holding the underlying asset. It's legal today, but back in, the, in Sir John Barnard is turning over in his grave that we allow that stuff here in, in the U.S., but back in Britain, he back when he was alive, they didn't allow that. The uh, so it's you're more gambling when you're doing. What, but some do you of, think he would really feel so bad about that, considering how much like gains it can bring people if they know how to do it properly? No, he didn't want anyone to do it. He didn't want anyone to do it because it's like you're you're not 
you're not, I, I understand where Sir John Barnard came from. It's like, you're not producing anything. You're just literally gambling. Mm-hmm. And uh, because like, then it makes it, uh, uh, you know, lowbrow. You know, there's a certain element of a gamesmanship that comes to actually knowing how to properly trade in stock where wealth is being Close. traded as opposed to just people speculating on stuff. And that. But that, that's what he wanted. That's what John, Sir John wanted. He wanted people not to speculate, but actually invest and hold and not just, oh, I think it's going to go up. I think it's going to go down. Tomorrow's going to rain. The next day it's going to, the sun's going to come out. Yeah. So speaking of the hedge fund losses on basically these, um, uh, these shorts, these uncovered options, uh, a hedge fund by the name of Melvin Capital famously lost uh, at that time four billion dollars due to their due to the GameStop GameStop stock soaring, uh, and their hedge funds lost about thirteen billion dollars towards the end of January. So uh, the, these stock jobbers, as Sir John Barnard was against, they would try to raise the price of a stock by creating false rumors. Um, so the, at the time. They would buy the stock at a fixed price or the option at a fixed price, talk bad about it, and then they or or they would bet against it, and then they would talk bad about it to make the stock go down, and they would make boatloads of money, which is how you short a a company. We still do that today. If you watch CNBC, you have a, a lot of these Wall Street chief investment officers you see a lot of these wall street uh, hedge fund managers they go on cnbc they talk crap about some stock is like you know i don't like gamestop i don't like amc i don't like whoever you want because they're holding short positions on that company mm-hmm. they write articles on news in 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 these uh, financial newsletters not newsletter in these financial journals like the Wall Street Journal, the Financial Times, Bloomberg, what have you. And you know that this person and that company and that hedge fund is against that company. Yeah. And the Reddit users did the same thing. They but they did it in the reverse. They didn't spread bad rumors about GameStop. They all told each other what a great investment GameStop is at this price. And that drove that sucker all the way up to I think it was like $450 or something like that at the height. I don't remember what where where it was. And again, talking about shorting a company, talking crap about it to make sure that stock goes down, the Sir John Barnard Act made it impossible to gamble on a price decline. Uh, yeah, because you had to have the stock. And, but if you didn't own it, it wasn't, it wasn't legal to short a stock. So the act made that impossible. Um, it's, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not losing my train of thought. I, I just... It, the. I'm just impressed at, it's not the foresight. It's the fact that this very same issue with GameStop happened through over 300 years ago that Sir John Barnard was saying, we can't do this anymore. Back in, in the 1730s, back in the 1720s, <laughs> even the famous economist Adam Smith, who we all know if we did some political or economic uh, courses, he spoke about stock, uh, stock jobbing. And he said that economic activity could never be stifled by governments, quote, in the same manner that all the laws against gaming, which are basically gambling, never hinder it. It is quite the same as stock jobbing, end quote. Adam Smith is basically saying, even if there's a law against stock jobbing, no one's going to stop. And he's absolutely correct because stock jobbing, the options contract continued within members of the London Stock Exchange because they didn't report each other 
or other people would say, oh, they didn't rat them out to the law. And the reason they did this is because they wanted to keep the reason they honored if they lost money or if they gained money, of course, even if you lost money, you had to honor that contract because it was a it was a sense of honor. And to Carlo, we a lot of these financial managers don't have a sense of honor. So that sense of honor forced the stock jobbers to perform and execute their obligations, whether they get whether they gained or lost money. So Sir John Barnard from his grave is telling you, young man, young woman, or older man, mature woman, do not gamble in options, whether you're shorting a company or you're predicting that price to go up. But he, he still wants you to make money, just not gamble. Yeah. Hold the stock. Yeah, it's smart. It. It's smart to hold it as opposed to trying to speculate and gamble. But you know, there's always going to be those who want to take some risk. And I mean, understandable if you think about the individuals in a lot of these positions. You have people who many were laid off, working from home, under lockdown, wanted to figure out a way to try to make of some course. money communicating with people who says, Hey, well, how do we continue to do this? Like, this is what these wall street guys continue to do and mess them up. You know what I mean? Like it, it's understandable, but it's not positions you want to take in the long run. If you're a serious investor, if you're somebody who's really well, no, if you're a serious investor, they do, this is part of it. And that's well, why, yeah, uh, but that's, if you got a lot of capital to kind of play from and a reputation to boot, you know what I mean? But if you're a novice guy who just happens to have, you know, a little extra capital on the side where they can play around with a bit, you know, if you want to be sound and smart, it's probably not the best strategy to go with. Yeah. And that, and the re and yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, we can also talk about our Archego's capital that just blew up uh, three or four weeks ago, but we're never going to get into that. Cause I'm not going to get into that about, about Bill Huang. And he basically blew through the biggest fortune of all time, allegedly. Not, but uh, anyways, Sir John Barnard, we toast you. You're not the king across the water. You're the you are the king of helping people save themselves from their worst vices from the grave. And we return in our DeLorean to 2021 because our pets always save us from our lowest points, our best points. Our pets are always there for us. They don't care how much money you made today at work. They don't care how much money you lost today as a bond trader. Your pets love you and we love pets. Tweet us a picture of your pet and we will be happy to retweet it. Our Twitter handle is at HBP4040 and go ahead and use the hashtag HBPets, HBPETS. That is a wrap, everybody. We want to thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please make sure you subscribe to us and give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We really do value your feedback, so please make sure you do leave that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at HBP4040, and our drinks will be in the show notes. Make sure you join us next time for our brand new episode of HBP. It's the Baseball Podcast. Take care. Peace.